You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We expect Paul and Silas to be disappointed, to be angry, to be frustrated, to be doubtful. We expect their prayers to be oozing with resentment. Why is this happening? How could you allow this? Where are you? Don't you care? We expect Paul and Silas to raise the roof with protest. This isn't fair. It doesn't make sense. But instead, they raise the roof with praise. As we cling to the simple What would be your first reaction if the devil was to come against you? Paul and Silas, in the height of their ministry, found themselves chained up in a prison cell. They could have shouted curses at God. Instead, Pastor Dion emphasizes that they actually raised the roof with praise. There are many reactions to the storms of life that we often come up against. But what if our first reaction to the rain clouds was to praise the king over those clouds? Today, it's time for a reset in the middle of our storms. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 16 as he begins his message, Praise You in the Storm. I pray, Father, that today's message will inspire us, will encourage us, will strengthen us, will convict us, will do your work. I pray that it leaves its fingerprints all over our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, guys, Jesus gave the Apostle Paul a mission in the book of Acts. Everybody say a mission. Yeah, Jesus appeared and gave the Apostle Paul a mission. And that mission was to preach and teach the good news about salvation to the Gentiles, to all the non-Jews outside of Israel. To be, this is basically what he told him, to be, everybody said out loud, the what? The apostle to the Gentiles. So that's the mission that Jesus gave the apostle Paul. I want you to go and spread the news about me to all of the world outside of Israel and be the apostle to the Gentiles. Well, we read that Paul teamed up with Silas, with Timothy, with Luke, with Lydia, Paul teamed up with men, with women. They were young, old. He teamed up with the rich, with the poor. He teamed up with the educated and uneducated to accomplish the mission of spreading the gospel, the good news about Jesus to the Gentile world. Well, guys, think about it. The Lord has given us, each of us, a mission, a purpose, and a job. The Lord has given each of us a mission, a purpose, and a job. It's to reach the people in our community, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our schools, to reach them with the good news about salvation. We are the apostles, the ambassadors to Spania, to Chima, to Santa, to LA. Hey, look at your neighbor and say, oh, see. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, see. Yes, you are the apostles, you are the ambassadors. It sounds unbelievable, but it's true. In fact, here is the passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. 
Read it with me. So we, who? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead with people, come back to God. Who are the ambassadors? Look at your neighbor and say, you are. Look at him and tell him, you are. Now listen, the mission and the mission field that we have is far more than any one of us can ever cover alone. That's why Jesus built the church, the community. We're all ambassadors. We have a huge mission field that we've been sent into. In fact, it's so big that not, no one of us individually can reach everyone in it. But that's why Jesus created the church, a community. So we could team up with the Pauls and the Silases and the Timothys and the Lydias that are around here, with the Lukes that are around here, to encourage one another and strengthen one another and spur one another on. Amen? Kind of like, you know, Canadian geese that fly in a V formation. You know, each one of their wings, as the backdraft is created, it creates an uplift for the goose that's behind them. And they are all honking in affirmation to the one ahead of them. That's what the church is. Oh, we got to be honking. In fact, look, go ahead and honk at your neighbor and say, tell them, let's do it, compa. Just tell them, let's do it, compa. That's what we've been created for. Now, as Paul and the team were reaching out, as they have teamed up to spread the gospel in a new place, they're reaching out to the people here in this passage of Philippi. Everybody say the name of the city, what? Philippi. And that's when, as they're reaching out one day, a demonized girl started stalking Paul and the team. Let's read the passage, chapter 16, verse 16. Here's what it says. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. And we'll pause right there. So, Paul and his team, these people he's teamed up with, are out in Philippi, and they begin to be stalked by a demonized girl. The girl was not just, as the song says, sweet but a psycho. No, no, more than that. She was possessed by a satanic spirit. It says a spirit of divination. It's a spirit that brought attention to itself by fortune telling. The spirit would seize the girl and she would go into a trance. The spirit would then speak through the girl forecasting the future. You know, should you invest in Apple? Should you marry that girl? A secret romance is brewing. I see it in the stars. A financial opportunity is about to surface. That kind of stuff. It's the equivalent of 1-800-PSYCHIC. You know, and for $39.95, you can have or find knowledge, happiness, and success. That's the kind of situation. The demonized girl was owned 
and being used. We could say pimped out. She was being pimped out by her masters to do tarot card readings, crystal readings, palm and psychic readings, seances. You know, I guess I'd call them demonstrations is what they are, really. Everybody say, ooey. That's what they were actually using her for. She was demonized with a demon of fortune-telling, and they were trying to make a profit out of it. She was their slave. Now, the demon, the girl, didn't want the message of salvation that Paul and the team was preaching. That demon didn't want it to get out. We all know that the devil does not want the salvation message of Jesus Christ to get out and touch people's lives. We all know that, right? And they look, the demon and the devil and the demons will do whatever they can to keep that message from getting out. Well, the demon and the girl knew that Paul and the, his team were spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the demon didn't want that message to get out. So it had the girl follow them, follow the team and say, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now what sounds like a promotion is anything but. Because it kind of sounds like she's saying, hey listen, these guys are servants of the Most High God and they will show us the way to salvation. It sounds like a promotion, but it's really not. See, what we need to understand is the message was really alerting the people in Philippi that Paul and his team were Jews that were spreading propaganda. And since Philippi was an anti-Semitic, Jew-hating city, the demonized girl's message was really turning people against Paul's preaching. You guys get it? When she was saying, these are servants of the Most High God, the Most High God was, that's what the Jews called their God, so it was identifying them as Jews, and they said, and they show us the way to salvation. They're propagating their particular belief and doctrine in this Roman city. So the demon in the girl is actually alerting all of the public these guys are Jews that we all hate, and they're doing something illegal in our city. You guys got it? So Paul, here's what he does. He doesn't say Beetlejuice three times real fast. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. He doesn't do that. Paul cast the evil spirit out of the girl. And this is how he did it. Everybody said out loud. In the name of Jesus. Say it again. In the name of Jesus. Listen, guys. The name of Jesus is not a magic wand that works miracles. It's not a magic wand that answers prayers or wards off evil. The name of Jesus is not a religious mantra. All right? The power in the name comes from the power of the person behind the name. I'm going to say it again. The power of the name comes from the person behind the name. And Jesus is 
The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the Son of God, Creator, Savior, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, the Great I Am, the One who died and is alive forevermore and has the keys of hell and death. <laughs> yeah, that's who He is. When our faith in Jesus, in the person of Jesus and who he is, when our faith is in Jesus, his person, his name off our lips has his power behind it. And the devil and the demons must surrender and comply. Listen to the record of the Gospel of Luke that's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Here's what it says. When the 70 disciples returned, read it out loud with me, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, Jesus told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Yeah. Somebody say, the name of Jesus. So whenever the devil is stalking you, threatening you, terrorizing or impeding you, stop him cold in the name of Jesus. Say it again. In the name of Jesus. So Paul did. In the name of Jesus, he cast out that evil spirit from the girl. Well, the demonized woman became free. Everybody said, Allah, she became what? Free. But her masters became furious. Say it out loud. What? Furious. Let's read it as we read on. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when the masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. So, Paul uses the name of Jesus, the power that's in the name of Jesus, to cast out the evil spirit. And when the pimps realized that the demon and the money, alright, well, if you want to say it that way, is gone, pardon my pun, the demon and the money, right, is gone. When they realized that, they seized Paul and Silas and they drugged them by their heels or their feet to the magistrates. Those are the city judges. The Latin word for them is called lictors. Everybody said out loud what? Lictors, all right? These judges had scepters that were a wad of thin green poplar branches tied together. That was their scepter. The scepters were used by these judges or magistrates or lictors. The scepters were used as a form of discipline. 
lawbreakers would be given their licks by the lictors. That's where the phrase, you're going to get a licking, came from. And somebody said, aha, you're going to get a licking. You remember hearing that? Some of us grew up with our parents giving us a licking. And now we suffer of a rare psychological condition called respect. Now, these guys, they pull Paul and Silas to the magistrates, to the lictors. A hearing or a trial is bypassed. The fact that Paul and Silas were Jews with an agenda was enough for them. And so the local audience turned into a hostile mob, we read. They were bloodthirsty. Oh, these guys are doing this. They deserve a punishment. They deserve to get their licks. Now, during this time of our story, the sentencing was always up to the crowd. Kind of like you watch in the Roman Colosseum where their gladiators are fighting and there's the thumbs up and the thumbs down. The crowd would determine when the lawbreaker had enough or they would just keep cheering on. So it's up to the crowd that's now bloodthirsty to determine how many licks, how hard and how many Paul and Silas are going to get. Well, Paul and Silas were, it says, beaten bloody. Their backs were flayed. And then they were handed over to the warden of the prison to be placed in maximum security. Let's read the passage. Verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Everybody say, wow. So, they're getting sentenced, beaten. Paul and Silas are thrown into a maximum security prison. They're marched down into what it says, the inner prison. It's a word in, in the Greek called telerium. It means the dungeon or the sewage canal of the prison. And there they were chained to the wall and placed spread eagle in stocks. It's an extended torture. Let me explain it to you. They were stocks that your feet, your ankles would go into. But the point was that they would spread your legs as you'd sit down. They would spread your legs as far apart as they could possibly go. And then they're at an angle so that, you know, when you get a cramp, you can pull your foot back, you know, to try to uh, help relieve the tension of that pulled muscle, that tension. Well, it was at such an angle they couldn't do that. It is to cause excruciating pain and torture. So their backs are flayed. They're taken and put in the dungeon of the prison, basically the sewage canal. They're put in these stocks. Now, we would expect Paul and Silas to curse, to complain, to stew and to seethe, to be agitated and angry. That's what we would expect. Kind of like Bruce Willis in Die Hard. You know, he's beaten and bloody and barefooted and cramped and the air ducked. 
he flicks on his lighter and, and mimics in a cynical tone. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs, they told me. Right? I can see Paul and Silas complaining to the Lord. Come over to Macedonia and help us, you said. Right? That's the only reason they're there. You know, that's what you said. Come over to Macedonia and help us, you said. We'll win a few souls, impact a continent. <laughs> Everybody do it. <sighs> Have you ever done that? You ever been sarcastic, cynical to something, a situation you're in, and you feel God should have done something? Why are you there? We expect Paul and Silas to be disappointed, to be angry, to be frustrated, to be doubtful. We expect their prayers to be oozing with resentment. Why is this happening? How could you allow this? Where are you? Don't you care? We expect Paul and Silas to raise the roof with protest. This isn't fair. It doesn't make sense. But instead, they raise the roof with praise. Everybody say the word. They raise the roof with what? Praise. Read the passage. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know what? Let's read it out loud together just so we can let it soak or sink in. Out loud together. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. We would expect them to be seething in resentment and in anger and hostility and, you know, just upset with God, with everybody. But they're raising the roof with praise. In that dark, damp, foul place, busted, bleeding, and bruised, Paul and Silas focused on the goodness of God and not the conditions of their circumstances. I'm going to say it again. Paul and Silas focused on the goodness of God and not the conditions of their circumstances. Kind of like the lyrics in the Casting Crown song, Paul and Silas sang, I will praise you in the storm and I will lift my hands because you are who you are no matter where I am. Paul and Silas were telling the Lord, in my darkest dungeon, in my deepest pain, they're telling the Lord, in my darkest dungeon, in my deepest pain, you are still almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing. In my darkest dungeon and in my darkest pain, you are still immutable, irresistible, invincible, immovable. Your love is unconditional. Your grace is immeasurable. Your forgiveness is inexhaustible. And your deliverance is unstoppable. I think that's what they were saying. You are God no matter where I am. And I will praise you.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth, but we're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the book of Acts. There's much more to learn from the life of the early church, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we would like to extend an invitation to you. Come join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study at 7 and Saturday evenings at 6.30. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Acts and discover more about the disciples and how the early church got started. Then, join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us join our hands and together we stand Together we stand